Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I'm always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And i got to tell you, today's show is right on par with that. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that. Um, and selfishly speaking, I'm really excited to pick his brain for your benefit today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind group, or through Powerful Words Character Development, All-Star Cheer Sites, or Dance Sites Done Right, you know how much I focus on the importance of making super smart and sound financial decisions, right? Well, this show is going to help us do just that. Now, today, it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable info about what I feel to be a super hot topic to help you succeed as well as a fun way to allow you to do it. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be awesome. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. We only go around this uh, this ride once, so let's make it one hell of a ride, right? Okay, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your child, your spouse, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we get going, I want to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. All right. As a certified public accountant and financial planner, the president of Seraphis and Company and CEO of the Rich Habits Institute, Tom Corley is passionate about financial independence. Tom trains businesses, individuals, and students how to be financially successful through his Rich Habits educational program. Tom has, also, has authored several books, including his number one Amazon best-selling personal finance book, Rich Habits, and the top 100 cheapest places to retire in the U.S. book series. Great stuff, great stuff. Tom, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Uh, Jason, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So, Before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure of meeting you or hearing you speak or reading your books... Um, do me a favor. Take a second. Share your story with our listeners. You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Tom Corley? Well, you know, I was. I came from. I started out in life. Uh, from we were in a very wealthy family, and um, at the age of nine, almost overnight, uh, we lost just about everything, Jason, uh, except our house. My dad somehow kept the house. Uh, we lived on uh, one of the most prestigious areas in Staten Island called Toad Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, I guess my dad was probably worth about, in today's dollars, about $20 million uh, at the time. And then his entire uh, tool and uh, dye distributorship business, uh, the warehouse, his main warehouse burned down, and uh, we lost everything. Uh, he lost his entire business, and he spent the next two years just trying to squeeze any money out of, out of anybody he could uh, get money from, creditors, insurance companies, uh, he got pennies on the dollar and uh, basically had to start all over again. Uh, and uh, so we went from being rich to being poor literally overnight. And, uh, and then, you know, fast forward 
I, I think uh, probably 2004, around that time frame, I had taken over the helm here at Surface and Company, CPA firm, and um, I, I was I don't think I was here for more than six months, and a small business client uh, demanded to see me. He, uh, he His bank had turned his line of credit, which con- means they shut down his line of credit uh, and converted it to a term loan, so he couldn't access any additional capital and he wasn't going to make payroll that Friday, so he was coming to meet me to see if I had any, you know, magic, magic in my bag to, you know, pull out of my bag to help him with a banking relationship that I, any banking relationships I had. And I, I told him I just I couldn't help him on such short notice. Those banking relationships take years to develop, and they're not just not going to give anybody a line of credit, uh, no matter who I am, Tom Corley. So. Uh, he broke down and started crying right there. And he was a big, burly guy, Jason. He was, wasn't, you know, a shrinking violet. He owned an uh, auto body shop, auto repair shop. And uh, he had been in his family's business for years. And he just, over the, very slowly, decrementally, just drove it to, into the, the ground uh, through his, as I found out, through his bad habits. And, and w- But what, what really started me down this path of studying the daily habits of the rich and poor was him looking in my eye, crying, eyes crying, and, and asking me what is it that he was doing wrong? Where was he failing in life? What what is it that other wealthy people do that he's not doing? And it just it hit an emotional cord. And I I started doing the research, and it ended up evolving into a five-year study of 233 wealthy people and 128 poor people. And then I analyzed the data, broke, broke it out into the two groups, and um, uh, I, I nearly fell off my chair when I realized, my gosh, the, the difference between the two groups is in their daily habits. The things that they do every day uh, separate the rich from the poor. And it's things that they're not even aware of that they're doing, uh, things that they're not doing that they're not even aware of. So I tried to isolate those 10 core Keystone habits that separated the rich from the poor, and, and my my goal was to just you know do training, try and train small businesses and individuals. Uh, but I had so much success with uh, some of the tra- individuals in my training, my uh, learning sessions that uh, I decided to write a book about it, and, and that's how uh, Rich Habits uh, came to be. That's fantastic. Um, it really, really is. Well, let's let's dive in because I, I have a ton of questions on this that I uh, I would love to pick your brain on. So, you know, you, I, I know that you claim that you can tell right away if somebody's either rich or poor simply by asking them how many junk food calories they eat each day. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, what I discovered was that rich people and poor people have way different daily habits. And I found a direct correlation between having good daily success habits and wealth accumulation. I also found a correlation between having bad daily habits and poverty. So when someone, when I ask someone, how many uh, calories do you consume? How many junk food calories do you consume in a day? And if they tell me, oh, you know, I don't know, probably a lot, you know, more than three or four hundred. Uh, well, I know that 97% from my research, 97% of the poor people, they ate more than 300 junk food calories a day, and 70% of the wealthy didn't. And so I can go on asking questions. I could ask them, for example, how many nonfiction books do you read a month? And um, if they tell me they don't, then I know that they're probably poor because uh, 85% of the, the rich people did read two or more of those nonfiction books, ma- mainly for self-education. 
uh, and uh, 85% of the poor people didn't. Uh, so I could I have all aerobic exercise. That's a you know how does aerobic exercise have anything to do with wealth creation? Well, uh, I found out it does, and and that's a more broad scope topic. But what I found out is that 76% of the rich people exercise aerobically for at least four days a week. Uh, 23% of the poor people had that rich habit. So uh, you know that that means 77% didn't. So I I can ask these you know. Seemingly innocuous questions, and I can paint a picture of that person very quickly, whether they're rich or poor, or on track to be rich or poor. Uh, you know, you, you start, you've started down this path, so let, let me dig in a little deeper. Um, what would you say are the primary habits that separate the rich from the poor? Obviously, we, we spoke about junk food, we talked about um, cardio. What else is there? Yeah, well, reading 30 minutes a day for self education, that's like the number one rich habit. Uh, 88% of the wealthy people did that. Only 2% of the poor people did that. 98% of the poor people didn't read on a daily basis for purposes of uh, self-education. That, well, that was a big one. The, the other thing was developing strong, valuable relationships. Uh, what I found was that the wealthy people, by choice, um, there's something called the law of association that uh, they embrace. They, by choice, associated with other successful, like-minded people, uh, and uh, poor people, they associated with primarily poor people. And why is that important? Well, because, um, I'll give you an example. One of the wealthy individuals in my study, he ran the uh, commodities trading desk for a big, uh, a big bank in, in New York, and uh, he lost his job. Uh, and he called me up to tell me, hey, you know, uh, I may not I may not be as successful as I thought, and uh, I said why? And he said, well, I just got fired. And this was like 2008, 2009, that time period mm-hmm. when everybody was getting canned. And uh, he, I, I said, well, you don't seem too too upset about it, you know, because he was laughing. He says, oh no, I'm not I'm not worried about it at all. I, I'm going to take two weeks off. They gave me a nice severance package. I'm going to take two weeks off, just chill out with the family, and then I'll get a job working somewhere. And I said, how could you be so confident? He said. Well, I, I mentored so many people. There's so many people on the street that I mentored. Uh, it probably won't take me a few phone calls. Well, he called me about a month later and said, to tell me that he had actually uh, gotten a, a better job with more pay, a higher bonus potential than he had before because uh, he got it from uh, someone who worked for him for like 12 years and was now running uh, a trading desk somewhere else. So... Uh, this is what wealthy people do. They they uh, they mentor other people. They're they're generous with their knowledge and uh, they share their mistakes and their misfortunes and the failures in life, so that the people that they're mentoring won't have to go through that. And that's that's actually mentoring is is the fastest way to wealth accumulation. I found in my my research. So uh, there's a, a lot of uh, things that the wealthy people do that the poor people don't even know about. They're not doing it because they don't even know that they should be doing it. Right. We know not know, We know not what we know not, right? Yeah, that's right. So let me ask this. If you're poor, what can you do right away to get on the track, you know, back to financial success? Well, one of the important things, it's, it's rich habit number one. It's really this the self-assessment or awareness habit, I like to call it. You need to become aware, firstly, of what you're doing wrong. So you've got to track your habits. Uh, I suggest doing it for a week or two. Uh, have a pad of paper. Just write down, uh, you know, any habits that you have, good or bad. 
just write them down. You can put them in two columns, uh, good habits, bad habits. And then once you get a list of all of your bad habits, uh, now that's, that's called tracking. So now you've tracked all of your bad habits in a week or two week period. And it's a very simple process to convert those uh, bad habits or what I call poverty habits into rich habits. For example, let's say you don't do any reading at all for self-education. Well, that's a poverty habit. Your new rich habit is, I read 20 minutes today for self-education. Uh, let's say you do absolutely no uh, aerobic exercise, which is, aerobic exercise is a rich habit. Uh, and it's good for the brain and it increases oxygen into the brain, which helps increase your IQ and makes you smarter and healthier. Uh, well, if you don't do that, that's a poverty habit. So your new, your new rich habit is I exercise 20 minutes aerobically today. So you basically take all of your deficits, all your, your poverty habits, and you convert them to rich habits, creating a rich habits checklist. And what I try, what I strive for every day, Jason, is my goal every day is to get 30% of my rich habits accomplished. And you might be sitting there saying, 30%, that's, that's nothing. Uh, but that, the point is that these rich habits are so powerful because they're, they're keystone habits. They overpower other bad habits. You don't need that many. You only need uh, two or three of them to tip your habit seesaw in the right direction and get you on the path to success. I, I love this conversation. This, 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 is, this is fabulous. Let me ask this, though. You know, who are the rich and poor that you're referring to here? Yeah, well, I broke it out into two, the two groups. The rich and poor are it's a two-part test for each. Uh, for the rich, $160,000 of gross income and $3.2 million in net liquid assets. That puts you in the rich category, uh, in my study anyway. And uh, the poor group, uh, they're individuals who make less than $35,000 a year and, and have less than $5,000 in net liquid assets. Less than 5000 okay. Understood. Now... Everyone loves to play the blame game, so let me ask this question. Who do you personally believe is to blame for po the poverty problem in America? Oh, uh, the parents are to blame. Parents are the cause of the wealth gap and income inequality in America. It's not the government. It's not Wall Street. It's, uh, you know, it's not policies. It's, it's not that poor people are lazy. It's the habits are generational. We pick up most of our habits from our parents. In fact, uh, my, my book that I just came out with, Rich Kids, talks about how to mentor your kids to be successful in life. And, and, the re and the reason I wrote that book was because the wealthy people, by and large, in my study, learned their uh, rich habits from two places, their parents primarily, and secondarily they learned it from some mentor that they, they stumbled across in life, which is um, a rare thing. So uh, these rich habits and these poverty habits, we pick them up from our parents. They're, they're the... They're to blame for poverty, and they're the reason why, for the most part, you're successful. Cool. You know, in your book, Rich Habits, you know, you mentioned that wealthy people create a unique type of good luck, and that poor people create a unique type of bad luck. Would you mind kind of delving into this? Yeah, sure. There's what I found in my research is that there's four types of luck. There's random good luck. That's you know, lightning striking, uh, the lottery, um, you know, an inheritance. I had a friend that that inherited a million dollars. He didn't even know his great aunt had a million dollars. He inherited a million dollars. That's random good luck. Random bad luck is uh, when something horrific happens, that, you know, cancer, a disability that you're born with, 
That's you know my father's warehouse burning down. That's random bad luck. Uh, then there's two two other types of luck: opportunity good luck and detrimental bad luck. Opportunity good luck is the byproduct of um, doing certain things every day that move you forward towards your goals and your life dream. They're like um, they're the rich habits essentially, and they they are like. Um, snowflakes on a mountainside, they just accumulate. They don't create instant overnight success, but they build up and they build up. And over time, it uh, becomes so so significant that you have this avalanche in your life of, of good luck, of opportunity, good luck. It might be a bonus. It might be a raise. It might be a, a job offer that came out of the blue from a competitor. So, uh, And then poor people have this uh, detrimental bad luck, and that's the byproduct of having poverty habits, just like... Uh, you know, the avalanche of success, there's an avalanche of failure. Uh, those poverty habits accumulate over time, and, you know, next thing you know, you, you might have a heart attack because you're not uh, exercising. Uh, you might, uh, you know, become obese, and, and that might create uh, diabetes, and, you know, that creates a disability and, and affects your ability to work and earn income. So detrimental bad luck is the type of luck that poor people create by having poverty habits. Makes sense. Makes sense. On on your website, richhabits.net, um, I notice you say, you say that wealthy people use certain strategies to make themselves unfireable. You know, I, th I think this is really important, especially in in the, in the economic times we've got right now. Um, would you mind sharing some of those strategies? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, one of the things wealthy people to to wealthy people, relationships are like gold. It's the currency of the wealthy. So. They are constantly building these strong, forging these strong, valuable relationships. In fact, uh, my dad—that was one of the rich habits my dad had. When when uh, he lost his business, uh, he reached out to—he used to run congressional campaigns uh, for um, uh, Jack Murphy, who was the uh, congressman in Staten Island in Brooklyn. He did that for seven seven terms, and uh, he ran uh, Mayor Beam's campaign in New York. He he. Uh, he ran uh, RFK's campaign in, in the uh, Staten Island, Brooklyn area when he was running for president. Uh, so he built all these strong, valuable relationships. And when, and when everything went to hell, he reached out to his relationships. And, th and most of those relationships uh, lifted him up out of the abyss and helped him survive. They didn't help him become rich again, but they just helped him survive. So wealthy people are, are doing things like the hello call, happy birthday call, the life event call. The hello call is just a reconnaissance call. It's gathering information on people that you want to develop um, a relationship with. You want to learn everything there is to know about them, their families. Uh, the, help, the happy birthday calls is essentially keeps your relationships on life support because at least once a year you're going to uh, reach out to them and wish them a happy birthday. And it has to be a call. It can't be an email. It can't be a Facebook. That doesn't work. You want to you want to develop the relationship by talking to them and gathering information. The hello call and the happy birthday call are significant there. Uh, and the interesting thing about the happy birthday call that I found, because I've been doing this since uh, 2007, is there's something called the reciprocal happy birthday call. 25% of the people that I call on their birthday now call me back. Uh, to wish me a happy birthday. Uh, they do it primarily out of guilt, uh, you know, but also because they feel like, hey, I think they're valuable enough to call them on their birthday, so they, they reciprocate. And then there's the life event call, which is 
that's the type of uh, relationship building call that's, that puts your relationships on steroids. It's, it, it makes the roots to your relationship tree grow real deep, real quick. And um, I used the uh, hello call, the life event call, to make sixty thousand dollars in about three hours, and that's that uh, happened uh, back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Uh, I had uh, been forging a relationship with someone who was a bigwig at a pharmaceutical company here, and uh, I just knew, I met him at a networking event, another rich habit that I adopted from my research. I started networking, I met him, started trying to build a relationship, you know, through the hello call, and uh, gathered a lot of information on him and his family. And one day, uh, there was an article in the Asbury Park Press in, in South Jersey, uh, and it had his kid's name in it. Uh, it was a free throw shooting contest that his 10-year-old kid had participated in. They made it to the regionals. Well, anyway, I, he was in North Jersey, so I, I cut the article out and I faxed it. And the only reason his kid was in it was because someone from South Jersey's kid was in it. <laughs> you know, so I cut out the article and I faxed it over to him. And uh, Jason, he called me right back and he had me on the phone for a half an hour um, talking about this free throw shooting contest. And, the, the you know, if, when I talked to this guy, by the way, I must have mentioned at least a half a dozen times every time I talked to him, hey, you know, I, I do uh, financial planning, you know, if you ever need it. And uh, so he mentioned to me on that call, he said, you know, I seem to recall that you mentioned that you do financial planning. And, and we both started laughing. And I said, yeah. Uh, and he said, well, I've got a couple of old 401ks. that have just been sitting there. Maybe you can do something with them. So I met with him uh, the following week and uh, had him pull his uh, – Court, the latest statements that he had. Uh, he pushed the statements over the desk where we were sitting, and, and lo and behold, he had about $1.4 million in, in old 401k money that I ended up rolling over and made $60,000 on. So I, I think that that was the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, that led me to write Rich Habits uh, because I realized, my gosh, if this works for me, it's got to work for everybody. I mean, that $60,000, Jason, helped get my kids through college. Absolutely. Like I mean, and to a lot of folks, that, that's a nice annual salary. That's, that's right. And I made it in three hours. And I said, this is like, I think I found the holy grail. So I, I never wrote a book before. Uh, so I said, well, I that's not going to stop me. I've got to share this information. So I, I studied for probably six months how to write a book. And then I wrote a book. And I rewrote it three times until I got it right. <clears throat> And uh, it became a bestseller. Uh, so you know what? It, it's, a, it's an example of never let your fears and your doubts hold you back. Just because, just because you're ignorant, uh, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Exactly. Exactly. How do you um, how do you know if you're on the right track for financial success? Well, you know, you you kind of have a feeling that um, things are not going right in your life. Uh, you're you're probably struggling financially. Uh, you're eking out a living. You probably don't like your job. Uh, so a lot of these emotions are, go, are, are, are sourcing through you. And uh, so you know you're on the wrong path. You just don't know why. And uh, that's why it's so important, uh, that, that rich habit, number one, just to do that self-assessment, that make yourself aware of what you're doing. Awareness is the key. And once, uh, once you become aware of your bad habits, you can change it. If you don't become aware of them, if you're ignorant of them, then you know you're going to continue along that path. So it, it's really a um, just a, a, a in, in its entirety, just a feeling, a sense that you're just 
not not making it and you're not getting anywhere and you don't know what to do and you feel out of control and helpless. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, do me a favor. This this I always find this to be interesting to kind of put myself in somebody else's shoes. Walk me through a typical day for a wealthy person. Well, yeah, sure. So what what happens with the wealthy people is forty four percent of them wake up three hours or more before they even begin work. So what are they doing with that three hours? They'll, a lot of them are um, either preparing because they're teachers at night, they're adjunct professors, and they're teaching uh, and working at the same time. Uh, as some of them are writing. They might write for, for their company newsletter. They might uh, write for a blog or they might, you know, write, uh, they might be writing a book or an article for a magazine. They... A lot of them do speaking engagements, 23% of them engage in speaking engagements so they could be preparing a speech uh, that they're going to give to, you know, 100 or 200 people. Uh, they they might, um, they're probably studying, you know, re- doing some self-education in the morning. They're doing aerobic exercise. They're doing a 100 different things that are moving them forward uh, in the morning before any of us even, even get our head off the pillow. Uh, and... And then when they commute to work, they're listening to audio books primarily. They don't listen to the radio. Wealthy people just uh, seem, seem to be averse to listening to the radio. They're listening to podcasts. That's the big thing now, Jason. You know uh, the industry is exploding, the podcasting industry. So they're listening to downloading these podcasts onto their, their iPhones, and they're listening to them at work, uh, on their commute to work, whether they're driving or they're you know taking a subway. Uh, and then when they get to work, the interesting thing I found is they um, wealthy people structure what they do during the day. For example, they don't immediately check their email. Uh, they have a time slotted when they're going to look at their email. It might be 11 a.m. to 12, right before lunch. They have a time slotted for when they're going to actually return and make phone calls, which might be around 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we're all kind of getting tired and, and, want, and, and you know, our biorhythms are going in the wrong direction. So getting on the phone and talking to people kind of activates your brain, gets you, gets you going again. So they, uh, and then during lunch, when they're, when they're taking a lunch, they're not just eating lunch. The uh, majority of them are networking or having business lunches, meeting with business relationships, uh, people that they want to develop relationships with, uh, and, and in some cases doing speaking engagements. I started doing speaking engagements at lunchtime uh, because I, that's what wealthy people were doing. So I said, well, I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, the, it makes better use of your time. And then, um, you know, what, then, then at the, you know, of course, they're trying to accomplish their to-do list in between their structured time slots, getting things done. And, and then uh, they're uh, preparing for the next day as their day's winding down by preparing a to-do list uh, for the following day. And uh, then when they, of course, commute back home, they're listening to audio books or something enlightening or educational. And, and here's the interesting thing. Two, two to three days out of the week, uh, they're not going right home. They might be uh, going to a board of directors meeting for a nonprofit organization. They might be coaching kids in sports, which is important because you're developing relationships with the parents. And who knows where those parents uh, come from, what what their backgrounds are, so you're forging these strong relationships through coaching. Uh, they might, like I said, might be doing speaking engagements, might be teaching, might be doing any number of a hundred different things 
uh, two to three days out of the week. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, it, it's not an accident that they're successful. They're just doing these uh, real productive, uh, rich habits every single day. I think this will be sort of telling then. then do me a favor then. Walk, walk me through a typical day of a poor person. Yeah, well, poor people, they, they get up within enough time to get dressed and commute to work. Uh, and uh, when they get to work, they're probably spending about 20 to 30 minutes chatting with their colleagues and, um, you know, the water cooler stuff. Uh, and uh, they, they might get around to really getting into work at, you know, uh, 9, 10 o'clock, and, and, and then they break for lunch and they, uh, again, they're sitting with either colleagues or by themselves eating lunch. Um, really, you know, the, the time that they're spending isn't, isn't productive. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be checking their email all during the day and they'll be returning phone calls as they come in. Uh, they're completely moving from a multitasking. They call it multitasking, but the brain, there's no such thing as multitasking as I found out in my research. The brain can only concentrate on one task at a time. So you're constantly moving from one thing to another and, and trying to um, regroup and figure out what, what you were working on, you know, half an hour ago. And that takes time, five or ten minutes to get back up to speed. Uh, and then, you know, when, when the clock hits five, they're shooting back home. And, uh, you know, an interesting thing is that, and of course, when they get home, they eat dinner, they uh, watch TV or read. If they're reading, they're reading for recreational purposes. The, the interesting thing about the, the, um, that part of their day, and it's the, it's the one question that really changed the whole scope of my Rich Habits research is when I asked the question, what do you do when you finish at work? What do you do with your time, you know, between the time that you leave work and, and, you know, you finally get home? And the poor people, their response was, well, you know, I eat dinner. I'm very stressed out. I had a hard day at work. Uh, and um, I, so I eat dinner and I watch TV and I, I relax. And then I go to bed and I do the same thing all over again the next day. So it's just a whole different mindset between how uh, wealthy people and poor people utilize their time and perceive uh, what they do during the day. Clearly, 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 clearly. Um, one of the big questions that you know I'm always asked, and and I love this, is you know, how have you found that wealthy people accumulate just so much wealth? Well, it's it it doesn't happen overnight. Um, what generally happens is they're doing these rich habits every day, and they're moving forward, and they're achieving goals, and they're they're you know being promoted, and and they're they're given more responsibility at work, and uh, they're constantly going above and beyond their job description, and so uh, they get you know higher bonuses. They, they, they're they're providing value added services to whoever they work for, even if they work for themselves, and which you re nobody works for themselves. They work for a customer or a client. So uh, they're providing these value-added services, and uh, so they get, uh, if you're a small business, you're getting these referrals because people say, hey, you know, uh, Jason, he does a great job coaching. I mean, you just got you got to use him. I mean, he turned my business around. So you get these uh, referrals from other quality sources, you know. And uh, then that just uh, builds and it continues to build. And, and then the other thing that they do, wealthy people, uh, they subscribe to something I call the 80-20 rule. It's, um, th there's three ways to build wealth. There's live below your means, 
expand your means, or do both. And what the wealthiest do both. Uh, the the just moderately wealthy they live below their means, and uh, or they just expand their means. So when um, when they're living below their means or they're expanding their means, they're uh, doing things on uh, they're they're living below their means. They're living off of eighty percent of what they make and uh, say putting away the twenty percent, and that just accumulates. That it's the power of the compounding. Uh, nature of money is so so impressive that you know it may may take ten years for them to get to you know a hundred thousand, but it may only take five years for that hundred to turn into two hundred, and then right. that two hundred to turn into five hundred thousand, or might only take five or seven years or whatever. So this they they're constantly trying to live below their means, uh, and then they're constantly trying to expand their means by doing certain things on the side, maybe building a side business, something that's a hobby that they're passionate about turns into a business. And they, you know, whenever you're doing something, it's not work. So they're uh, they're accumulating wealth by by those, you know, those three wealth building schemes: living below your means, expanding your means, or doing both. Perfect. Great answer. Great, great answer, folks. It is time for our resource of the week. So, Tom, let me ask this: How can I, how can my listeners find out more about you, where to get your book, and really how how you help entrepreneurs to be more successful? Well, Jason, they can go. I have a great website, richhabits.net. Uh, there's so much, so much in the way of resources at richhabits.net. There's all of my research articles are on there. Uh, in fact, my publicist tells me, please stop posting your research articles. You're giving your information away for free. I don't care. I, I'm doing it. I, I won't. Nobody's going to stop me because that information uh, is my life work. Uh, so they can go on there and get all my research articles. I have free reports that they can download. Uh, you know, one of them is how to raise your kids to be successful in life, and then there's a quiz you can take. Are you are you are you raising your kids to be on the right track to, of success or failure? And then there's ebooks that they can download for free, and of course they can get all my books at richhabits.net or anywhere books are sold for that matter. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. You know, I always love to end my podcasts with this question because ever it's so telling to see where everybody's mindset's at. So. If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, help them to live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? I think that the number one thing that they should be doing is expanding their knowledge base of, in the industry that they're working, whatever, whatever it is that they do for a living. That, that They have to spend at least 30 minutes a day reading uh, stuff that's related to their career, career or their industry. Uh, that, that opens up the door to opportunities. They, it's, it's sort of like taking the blinders off when you, when you expand your knowledge base. You start to see opportunities that were always there that you just didn't see before. So that's, that self-education reading, I think, is, is if that's all you do out of all of the rich habits, and there's 288 uh, different data points that I track, if that's the only thing that you do, you'll, put, you'll tip your seesaw dramatically in the right direction. Reading it is. Tom, thank you so much, so much for joining me today. Uh, I know how busy your schedule is, and I, I really appreciate you sharing some of your time and your wisdom with us. Well, I appreciate it, Jason. And if, uh, just as, as an aside, you know, if, if they want to learn um, more about me, I'm, I'm in Success Magazine this month. Pick up a copy. It's got, they, they have a great article on the six, some, they focused on 16 of the rich habits, and there's a CD that you can get with my interview. I think it'll be really educational for, for your listeners. Fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous. I will, uh, I will go pick that up actually this afternoon. That's exciting. All right. 
Folks, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for turn, tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you benefit from one of the mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that you truly deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen, folks. Go get them. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.